You know, the prevailing wisdom around us as entrepreneurs is that we're supposed to work harder. Like if you work harder, you'll get more leads. If you work harder, you'll finally figure out your cash flow issue. If you work harder, fill in the blank. Every one of us listening knows a work harder, fill in the blank um, example. The reality is, is that we, and you talk about this often, we wanna work smarter. We are not going to work smarter as exhausted entrepreneurs. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio, and we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, once again, we're going off on a, on a little bit of a tangent here. We've been talking a lot about operations of a school. And in the last episode, we talked about books that were meaningful to Nate and myself. Today, we're going to talk about a topic about where you could potentially read those books. Because <laughs> Nate, you did something last year that was really interesting to me and, and a little bit surprising. We were in the middle of you know production for this podcast, getting things going, working with clients. And you told me, hey, um, I'm not going to be available in the month of July. Not the weekend of July 4th, or I'm going on vacation, a rushed vacation for one week in the middle of the summer. No, I'm going to be gone July. You won't be able to get in touch with me. And I asked you, what's going on? You know, has, uh, has an entire family in your extended family died? Like you have a lot of funerals to go to? <laughs> like, right. what's going on? And you told me, well, um, I'm taking a sabbatical. And I asked some more questions, which I'm not going to get into here, because I think that's what this episode's about. But what this episode about is I think unplugging and the steps that one needs to go through to unplug from one school or business. And um, I think this is a, a topic that isn't talked about. I can't think of one podcast or book that I've read that, that goes into this. So I think we have something wholly original here, but it's not an intellectual exercise for Nate. It's something he actually does. So Nate, um, let's talk about taking a sabbatical as a music school owner today. I think we need to frame the question, actually. Is this the right question to ask? Can a music school owner take a sabbatical? Right. Hmm. I actually don't think that's the right question to ask in this case. Hmm. I, first of all, I think everybody should take a sabbatical and needs to take a sabbatical because it's, it's some of the most basic ways we um, do self-care and we get ourselves to re-energize and we get ourselves to think differently um, about everything that's important in our life. So we'll talk more about that in a moment. But I look at this question more as like, okay, wait a minute. What facets of our business can currently run on their own and in fact can thrive when you or I are on sabbatical? Like, will our team actually thrive without us there? Um, and so, you know, can we benefit ourselves and our business by stepping away for a month? So that's the theory. The that's theory, the, yeah. what I'm hearing you say is that, that, we're not doing this just to take a vacation. We're doing it because it could benefit the business, though one of the happy byproducts would be that you get to recharge somewhat. That's what you're saying? Yes. I'm saying that we need to look at it with in both ways. Will okay. it be a benefit to our team to have us step away for a month or two weeks or whatever your sabbatical? And then, of course, I think everybody listening would be like, that'd be amazing if I could step away and be off the grid for two weeks. 
<laughs> well, I also think everybody listening or watching would be thinking, how in the heck could I do that? Or, um, you know, I'm going to be gone and people are going to be working and I'm not going to be there. Doesn't that feel a little bit like the 1%? You know, like yeah, am I exploiting totally. these people? Um, or uh, how could I possibly do this? I'm not like a, a college professor or, or, a, or a, you know, a public school teacher where they actually have a defined period where they're quote unquote, clients won't be there. So everybody's off, but we have a business. It's got to keep running. I I can just hear the objections. And maybe that's a good place to start in this episode is how in the, because I think the premise itself makes sense. Recharge, benefit the business, benefit yourself, come back, rip roaring, ready to go. We we do some version of this as music school owners or teachers around Christmas break, um, Mm -hmm. where we take a little bit of time off at the holiday or another holiday that might be important to us if we don't celebrate Christmas. But, um, uh, But a whole month, at a non-traditional yeah. time, yeah, I think a, a question that comes up for me as well would be, um, you know, I'll go on a vacation mm-hmm. and I'll get up in the morning and I'll think, okay, I could scroll YouTube or read a book or, but none of my family's up. And I, I kind of like my business. I'll just, I'll just type an email. I'll just answer some emails here. I'm not going to do anything really heavy work, but, but I, um, I don't see the the harm, in, uh, you know, in in uh, getting. Uh, communicating with a client necessarily or something like that. I'm curious, could you address that? Yeah, yeah, totally. I had my, my rule was, I mean, you know this, Daniel, because you and I are working on a number of projects together. Yeah. Um, but my rule was I can't talk about work and I can't do work. And the reason is, is actually I, one of my, um, my therapists was like, Nate, I was like, how do I even do that? I, I don't know how to do that well. Much like you, Daniel, I'm like, well, I'm totally fascinated. I think maybe I'll just reread this business book I love because it'll, it'll, it'll help me. And she was like, it's simple. When someone asks you, because of course, as part of this sabbatical, like at one point I went and saw family and they all want to know, how's Brooklyn Music Factory doing? Tell us about the school. And I'd be like, thank you so much for asking. But actually, I'm taking a break from work for the month. Hmm. And then she's like, and just, just flip the question. How are your kids? How's your work? <laughs> Be funny if they said I'm taking a break from my kids for a month. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Right. So that's a good yeah. strategy. I like that. I like that. And it, um, it was hard for me, Daniel. Let me just, before we get into the steps of what I did to actually prepare to do this, and then my takeaways from doing it, and how I would prepare a little bit differently next time, um, I will say that it's not, it wasn't easy. Hmm. You know, it wasn't easy to be like, man, four weeks, I'm really going off the grid. But the benefit was massive. So I'll get there. I'll talk about that when we get there. I'm really interested in exploring that because this is when I saw you do that, I thought, true Daniel fashion, could that benefit me too? I think, I think the, <laughs> could my benefit, could the business break by me actually taking a break? What a novel concept. And I'm not even being facetious about that. It just never would have occurred to me, you know. Mm. Um, so I'm really fascinated to get to those takeaways. So yeah, what were the steps that you went through? Let's just, uh, let's, let's examine those. What'd you do first? Okay. So first of all, I just made my lists, a list of roles and associated tax that were uniquely mine, right? So this is like classic org chart. Just what do I do that only I do, right? And then a list of people that I regularly met with, teachers, admin staff, you know, or bookkeeper, whatever, who are people that expect to see me in any given month? Okay. okay. So that was step one, those two lists. Before you even go to step two, can I ask a question about that? Yeah, yeah, totally. We can go step by step. Was this even possible because you already had a team that was handling a lot of things for BMF? Like, in other words, with a prerequisite, someone listen to this now, 
would the prerequisite be that they already have a fairly established team? Or do you think this is something that someone could do even if they're in the early stages of handing off a lot, a, a lot of things? And I, I, you know, I'm playing a little bit of a devil's advocate here because we're the premise of the episode is that we should do this, but is there a prerequisite, you know? Great question. So when we say our business will thrive even without us, I think another way to reframe that is our team members will thrive because they will wow. develop a sense of, they will develop a, a, you know, a confidence in their autonomy, that kind of thing. But if you only have a micro team, if it's like you plus three teachers, well, you, then that's who's going to potentially thrive if you prepare to do this well and then you give them ownership while you're gone. Um, those team members will will develop in your absence. Um, so, let me ask the question again, though. Like, do you think that people already have to have a fairly solid system and team in place for I, them to be able to do this? I do not. I actually think if you're smaller, it's a heck of a lot easier. That's what I was thinking, too. Okay. To get organized and step away for a month. You have to get a little bit more organized around things like your financial picture, et cetera, because you may it may really be, you know, hours in, dollars out kind of thing to based yeah. on your scale of your studio. But that's all manageable too. So, so it sounds like the person this would be a challenge for would be a mid-sized to larger school where they're not organized yet and where the team, where they're kind of the the hub and the team is a spoke coming off of them. The, the school owner that this would probably be more possible for would be one where they're outside of the wheel and spoke system and they're kind of managing that. Is it, would that does that sound right? Or they're, or they're a spoke or two. Or three. Beautiful. Same. Yes. Yes. Makes sense. They're, they have okay. a few different roles. So, so yeah, step one is define your roles that are uniquely yours and the tasks associated. So uh, let me give you concrete examples for myself. So I am the Brooklyn Music Factory money guy. I'm the CFO. So when it comes to an analysis of money, i.e. like looking at the profit and loss statement, making sure there's a cash flow, cash flow statement, ensuring we don't run out of money in three months, et cetera, that's my job. Okay. Um, other roles, I teach, so I have students, so I provide a service, right? Um, other roles, I lead the marketing and sales meeting. So I create the agenda, I talk to the team, I assign committed actions, da 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 Let me just stop there for a second, okay? All three of those, that goes on my, uh, that goes on that first list, okay? Then the second list is, okay, well, who do I actually meet with consistently that will be like, well, wait a minute. Nate's not meeting me this month. And so that list of who is meeting with me specifically is around, well, what are those, what are those meetings about? And how can I pre-plan with that person? First of all, letting that person know, we're going to get to that next step, but letting that person know that I'm going to be off the grid. How can I pre-plan with that person so that he or she feels like they know what they can do for the month that I'm off the grid, right? Um, so anyways, those are the first two steps. It's just an organizational step. Getting to step two is assessing that above list, right? So you're just like, I'm going to assess that list and ask myself, um, while I'm leaving, you know, what's going to have the least impact? What's going to have the most impact? In other words, what of my roles are really essential? Like they can't stand to not be addressed for a month. And what are the roles and tasks that I do where it's like, honestly, we could give a month off on that. So I'll give a real example. I meet with our bookkeeper and we do, um, we look at cash flow statements and we do strategic work. I don't need to do that for a month. Yeah. I'm gonna take a, I can take a month off of that. 
It's interesting. Even as I'm thinking about this, I'm, I'm in my head going through this thing like, maybe I'd do this in 2022. And I'm thinking about this. And there's another list I think that could be helpful too as I'm thinking about this. And that is, um, yeah. what can I do ahead of time and what has to be done during that time? Because if it's something I could do ahead of time, I could, uh, you know, let's say I were to take the same two, uh, four weeks off in July that you do this year. Yeah. I've got six months. So one thing, and certainly for me, that I do ahead of time would be writing marketing emails or writing marketing or writing the ads or things like that. Something I would do during July, typically I have in the past years was actually meet with clients. Mm -hmm. That's not something I can do in advance. Well, or even there, like if I set the intention to do it, maybe I do some of that in advance. Maybe we say, Hey, let's do an extra session in June an extra session in August. And let's just take the month of July off together. So even, so even doing this exercise is helping me think of this in a creative way right here, live in the podcast. You all heard it. Um, but let me not interrupt anymore, Nate, but I was just thinking, it's, it, I'm having a little bit of difficulty in my mind, like imagining this, but I, I think even coming up with that list of pre-work and work that I'm going to have to deal with that I can't do during that period was a helpful list. So just organizing it all seems like a really important first and second step. Like you're talking about assessing the list and all that. So yeah. Have we finished that too? Or, or, or is there more to talk about there? Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about, um, a, a, a little bit more about step two. Because you're simply assessing, and you put it well, you're assessing what's essential. You're assessing who you need to t- meet with and make sure that they feel like they have all the tools they need, they have the guidance they need, they have answers to questions they need in advance of you going off the grid. Um, and the final thing I'll say about it is, um, and we'll probably get to this uh, when we get to our last few steps, which is that you need a criteria for those people where they know when they can reach out to you? Like, is there an emergency topic where they can interrupt you? Right? Because you, you can't predict everything. You don't know. Like, what if there's a fire in your school? Right? Literally. I was, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking of that. I mean, yes, you want to know about it. So, <laughs> so, for example, in our situation, there was an issue around where we were going to open our temporary space September 1st. And, you know, uh, my wife, who's also the director of communications and families and enrollment, said that was the one criteria within which she could talk to me about work. I mean, we worked together. And there I was on sabbatical with her. We, were, we live in Maine over the summer. And she never talked about work once, except for she's like, I have a specific question about this because you said this is the one time I can ask you a question. Wow. And she did. And it was like 28 minutes. You measured it? I did because I was trying wow. to keep it as brief as possible. <laughs> I love it, Nate. <laughs> so um, anyways, and you raised a really great example of how you could pre-fill or backfill some of the areas where you needed to be present. So a perfect example for us music teachers is I would absolutely heavily book, and I will heavily book June with my students that I might normally see in July and just say, hey, I'm, I'm taking a sabbatical. And so I, I really would love to get you set up for success over July. Let's meet twice a week in June. Hmm. Okay. So we have made a couple lists. We have gotten organized. We've planned, which I think right there, that's uh, probably a huge part of the success of this. You've um, assessed your list. You've done a little analysis on it, did some critical thinking. So what's step three? Okay. You announce, right? Okay. You have to announce that you're taking a sabbatical. This is a little bit, I'm going to bake this into step three. You announce to everyone that this is what's happening. So it's not a surprise to everybody. How far in advance? um, Ideally, it would be a month. I wasn't organized enough to do a month in advance. Um, So I announced it about two weeks or three weeks in advance. 
um, because you need to then work through that list and you need to connect with every person that you normally meet with and make sure that they feel empowered uh, while you're gone. Yes, question. Would there be any reason why you, like, could you announce it six months in advance or or would there be something detrimental that would happen if you announced it that far in advance? Uh, This might be a dumb question, but I'm going to risk it. I think it's a great question. I've already announced that I'm going to take another sabbatical in July. But I'm, it's not like I talk about it every week because that could be deflating to people. They'd be like, they'd start sure. kind of like, wait, I want to do that too. And you're like, maybe they can't. You can build a culture where eventually some of your really deeply invested employees can do that as key well. Team members. Yeah. Um, um, but I think it's really important because the, the key is that you're, you know, to get back to just the why on it, um, like we can only serve. I mean, I literally wrote this for myself in my sabbatical note in Evernote, but you know, I wrote to myself, I can only serve people to the best of my ability when I work within the confines of a healthy life for myself, right? So the sabbatical is part of me making sure that I'm in a really healthy state physically, mentally, emotionally, right? Spiritually. Um, So, okay, back to step number three. So, Ian, you sort of touched on this, but basically- You, you need to be very clear on what must continue to operate while you're gone. And so this is that critical thinking step where you're like, okay, I've assessed my list. Step three is saying, I'm going to let go of these five things for a month. I'm just going to assume that they're good enough and I'm not going to worry about them. Right? But these three things, they have to continue operating in my absence. So you're creating your yes list, but you're also creating your no list. You're saying, I'm going to let these go for the month. I'm trying to think of a good example of something I let go. Yeah, the 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 freaking me looking every week at my cash flow statement, me looking at uh, doing, you know, um, budget analysis for every, uh, monthly with my bookkeeper. I just said, I'm going to let that go. I'll do a great job in June. And then the next time I'll revisit it will be in August. Mm. It's fine. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. Yeah, just, I, I didn't mean to steal your thunder on this, Nate, because I didn't know what your steps were beforehand. So I yeah, just, no, 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 it's all good. Just, um, the, the other thing I'm thinking of, though, is that <clears throat> I, I asked this question earlier, but it's feeling more and more, the more I hear you talk about this, the more I'm thinking of something David Allen said, uh, the guy who wrote Getting Things Done. He said, the price of peace is eternal vigilance. Hmm. And in, in, he was referring to it in the sense that if you want to be able to handle a lot and, you know, quote unquote, be successful or build something that is meaningful to you and not feel as if it's chaotic, you do kind of have to have a personal organization system. The more you talk about this, the more it feels like the price of being able to do something like this is a really well-organized business. A yes. lot, of, you know, not a lot of planning, but the right kind of planning. Yes, and so it gets yeah. me, it gets me to the next step because if what what happens if this, that thing that uh, must continue on your must continue list doesn't actually have a system in place yet, 
Well, mm-hmm. you're planning ahead because you're going to build that, you're going to create that working procedure and you're going to onboard someone to take it over for you. Something that's really occurring to me as I'm hearing you talk about this is that this assumes that you haven't overextended yourself. In mm-hmm. some ways, I feel like at the end of 2021, I overextended myself. I had a lot of projects going and <clears throat> I was holding my breath until the end of the year when some of these came to fruition. One of these, one of those was this podcast. Another was you know, a program that we rolled out at Grow. And January feels really nice to me right now because I don't have any of that going on. But what you're literally saying if you're taking a month off is that out of a 12-month year, you only have about 11 months worth of work to do. Well, yes, or you've created a system and a team or automated the work you do so that it can continue to operate without you. Well, I'm saying 11 months as you, as the person. Oh, the human, right. You're yes, 11 as the human, time. you might have... Yeah you know, you're going to have a number of hours that you work this year. And you're essentially saying that I can do all that work that needs to get done <clears throat> over 11 months, but I'm not going to work 70 hour weeks the month before July. No, you know, so in a way you are, you've gotten things to the place or the point where you can do the job that needs to be done for growth and for maintenance and all that sort of thing in 11 months out of a year. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting implication. It's a great perspective on it. And it really gets to, you know, the prevailing wisdom around us as entrepreneurs is that we're supposed to work harder. Like if you work harder, you'll get more leads. If you work harder, you'll finally figure out your cash flow issue. If you work harder, fill in the blank. Every one of us listening knows a work harder, fill in the blank um, example. The reality is, is that we, and you talk about this often, we want to work smarter. We are not going to work smarter as exhausted entrepreneurs. Right, that's the bottom line. It leads to you know the harder and harder we work, it leads to poorer strategic choices, which will ultimately stump the growth of our company, and actually prohibit us from reaching our targets. Right, because we end up making choices, the reactive choices, because we're tired. We're ten hours into the day. Um, we, yeah, I, I believe that part of that what I'm testing out here for myself is exactly what you're talking about that I can achieve actually, I can be of much greater benefit to people when I'm in a much healthier space. Okay. Right? And so with fewer hours of work. So moving on into our steps, I want to make sure people walk away with just the steps that I took. And obviously you can write us, you know, you can visit us, you know, um, and let us know what questions you have because we can get more concrete. Um, but the, 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 we're on to step four here the must continue to operate list. Um, so we've created working procedures for people that are going to do the job without us, right? We're pre, we're doing whatever we can ourselves in advance of being gone, prepaying bills, plan all your social media posts, do something like Hootsuite and get them all booked, um, schedule all your digital ads in advance, things that you can just set and forget. You got to set it and forget it. That's that, that's that fourth step. Um, you want me to dive straight into step five? I think that's great. Okay, so step five, I touched on before, but it's just a simply establishing the rules of your sabbatical. Hey, when can you reach out to me? Right? Your team members need to know that. They need to know that like, they're not having to make the massive strategic choice if there's a real emergency issue. Right? They need to know what, what are the one, what's the criteria under which they can actually contact you. And then how to. I made it clear don't slack me because Slack's turned off for four weeks. So here's the deal. This is these are two implications because I want to get into your takeaways and what this yeah, did yeah, for yeah, you. Totally. But there are two that I can already imagine would happen if I did this. One, Fire. 
there's already a key team member I have who's a, a total rock star. And if she knew for four weeks that she was going to be getting these emails instead of me, because someone else couldn't answer it, it, it would force her to get resourceful. Mm-hmm. It, it would, but, and the second implication is that she needs to be warned in advance that that's what's going to happen. And some tools need to be given to, to make sure that she can do the job as well as she can. Um, but the second thing is, and you just touched on it here, is that step away from a month and it, you are probably going to get, oh my gosh, you are probably going to get a really clear view on how things really work in your business. And I don't mean, oh, you're going to come back and you're going to have all this clarity, but the kinds of things that broke when you went away that would never have broken had you not gone away, it will cause all sorts of insights. I'm sure it caused all sorts of insights for you when you came back to BMF as to like, oh, so that's what's really going on there. Yeah. Let's just jump into takeaways, Nate, because you're shaking your head quite yeah. a bit. Like, if someone's okay. listening to this, they can't see you. But, but um, tell me, what was what were the the big picture ramifications, and maybe even some even some important small observations you made because of what you did? Well, the first thing I'll say is that nothing like the business didn't burn down while I was gone. Right? This isn't the first time I've gone off the grid. I've gone off the grid before for for health reasons. I was off the grid for two months for an open heart surgery. And the business grew by 5%. So I had confidence that this thing could work. But this is the first time I was doing like, I'm not going to do it because of an emergency situation. So number one, the biggest takeaway is that it's not going to all crash and burn. But the second thing is, is that, Daniel, you used this really, you used the resourceful word well, so I'm going to add to that. Many people on your team, even just the teachers, if you give them space to be autonomous, you will be surprised at what they create on their own. And I want you to keep going on that, but <clears throat> I think it's important to point out, I, I really want to make this point, that it's a, it's not an autonomy where they know they have the backstop of you. Yes. It's an autonomy where there is no backstop. It will force them to grow. Yes, and that you have already established it before you've gone off the grid, hey, here's a couple of visions. What do you think are possible? And they sort of brainstorm they're like, man, it would be awesome if we did X, Y, or Z. For example, maybe you have a piano teacher or two that are like, man, I've always wanted to like review all of our, um, you know, the lesson notes from the last year and to learn what was working with students, et cetera. And the reality is, is that now you're saying, that's awesome. I can't wait to see what you show me in August when I come back. And there's something fascinating about you stepping out of the way. And just seeing what, and being like, hey, show me. Because when we come back, we have a series of steps we want to take to assess the health of the business. But the my main takeaway is this. And then it's, and I think this is a good wrapping place, which is that um, the sign of a mature business is that we actually can step away. Right? So, and it's okay if you're not stepping away for a month. How about stepping away for seven days? How about just working a micro version of this to say, I'm going to step away and be unreachable for seven days and just do a micro version in 2022. Then, then double it to two weeks. And maybe by 2025, you're, you're doing a month. Yeah. You know, and that's it. 
that micro version will will not be nearly as challenging to prepare for, but it will cause you to start asking the right questions. Because mm-hmm. if you're gone for seven days, uh, there is the thought that a team member could say, oh, well, I don't know how to answer this question, but he's he or she's going to be back in three days from now. Yeah, we yeah, can just yeah, punt yeah, this yeah. to next week. But it does, It uh, this isn't over against anything you've said here. I'm just saying that It'll it'll cause the right questions to start being asked, and it makes it possible to do something longer better. The question I really want to make sure that we get answered here mm-hmm. is, um, why do this? And, mm-hmm. and, I, and that isn't the question, but um, it, you know, one could take a vacation, and like I said, you know, my temptation of vacation is to check in on an email every morning and just make sure. Mm-hmm that people are being communicated with and answering questions of the team member team members. Is there anything else that in hindsight and looking back at that month that you were gone and coming back and seeing the results and ramifications of it, is there anything, let's say intangible um, or tangible that you also identified as a, as a benefit? Um, Oh, wow. This happened as a result of me doing this. I could never predicted that happening. And that's a really good thing. Yeah. So I had this fascinating feeling coming out of my sabbatical, which was, um, an, I, for lack of a better way to describe it, an openness, like more spacious in my thinking. Everything felt more spacious to me. Oftentimes in the day-to-day, like today, I'm booked solid, I'm subbing for a teacher for four hours, et cetera. There's almost like a, um, there's almost a tightness around my thinking. It has to, basically, I have to move through the day taking actions. And I, I do a good job of giving myself space, like making sure I don't work or check Slack over the weekend for, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know, um, I'll, I'll, take little, I'll take vacations and that kind of thing. But this was a sabbatical where no talk about work, no talk about, no, no um, doing of work, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I also gave myself a rule, which was really hard, which was no projects. Like, don't, decide you're going to take up like kite surfing or like, <laughs> like, don't like, don't be like, now I'm going to read 10 books. No, I was like, nothingness, Nate, take four weeks. Don't allow yourself to achieve anything in four weeks. Cause that's one of my challenges. It's like this hyper achiever. So that was hard for me. But when I came out of it, there was sort of this spaciousness that I've heard other people talk about. And I was like, oh, and what it did in terms of a concrete benefit is it gave, it made it a lot easier to be like, oh, wait a minute, at Brooklyn Music Factory, these few things are truly beneficial to me as a person. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, I was like, oh yeah, it's time for me to be back in the classroom. I hadn't been in the classroom for years. I came out of that and I was like, no, no, no. I need to be back in the classroom working directly with eight-year-olds. And I don't think I would have made that choice had I been just in like CEO do mode. you know. And so anyways, just the spaciousness. I wish I could be more accurate in the description or more rich with it, but it just didn't feel tight. It felt wide open. And and I tried to hold on to that for as many weeks as possible after coming out of it. It sounds as if this is going to defy any kind of explanation because I think it'll be different for each person. It's almost yes. like, you know, you're going on your vision quest. The vision you saw is going to be highly personal to you. Yes. My hunch is that there's going to be a benefit that each person derives from this, there's also going to be a challenge in doing it based on who we are as a person and the makeup of who we are as a person. Hey, it's Nate again. 
You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.